0: Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it.
1: Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life.
0: Brothers and sisters, hello. Pro-life leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. What an important day today is, January the 22nd. Those of you that are involved in the pro-life movement know that this is a day that will live in infamy. This was the day in 1973 that the U.S. Supreme Court handed down Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton, the two most disastrous decisions it ever made, legalizing the killing of children throughout pregnancy by abortion. Brothers and sisters, uh, we're going to do as we always do. We're going to put ourselves in God's presence. We're going to read from His Word And we are going to reflect on the meaning of this day and the duty it puts on us for the future. The Catholic bishops have declared today a day of prayer for the legal protection of unborn children. Uh, We not only are to value them in our hearts, we are to protect them by our laws. And friends, let's connect the dots one step further. If we want and we're praying for good laws to protect the unborn, we need to elect good lawmakers willing to protect the unborn. It's that simple. You can't wishful thinking, by wishful thinking, bring this about. You need to elect the people who are going to pass the laws that are the types of laws we need. So we're going to pray for that today. But I want to frame all this by going to uh, to a passage that uh, really gets to the heart of the matter. So let's pray first and Enter into Scripture. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we repent of our sins, and we repent of anything that we have failed to do, to speak up for the most vulnerable among us. You tell us to be attentive to the poor and the lowly, the outcasts and the marginalized, those discriminated against, those oppressed. Lord God, none is more oppressed than the unborn child obliterated legally from personhood in so many places in America, not enjoying the protection of life itself. Lord, none of our rights are protected if life itself is not protected, because without life, we can't enjoy a good education or a great healthcare program. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have raised up a movement. We saw that movement march and pray and witness and rally In these recent days, we will see it do so again throughout this year. Bless us now as we enter into your word. May we understand it more deeply, live it more faithfully, and proclaim it more effectively through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Luke's Gospel, chapter 16, starting with verse 19. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and feasted splendidly every day. At his gate lay a beggar named Lazarus, who was covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. And from his place of hell, in hell, where he was in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off, and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have pity on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, My son, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, And Lazarus, in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers so that he may warn them, lest they also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Oh no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, then they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. The Lazarus of the 21st century is knocking at our door, begging at our table. And not only his well-being, but ours depends On our response. Why did the rich man go to hell? It wasn't because he was rich. It was because he ignored the other man. He thought that because Lazarus had less, that Lazarus was worth less. He didn't recognize in the beggar, whose sores the dogs were coming to lick. He didn't recognize in the beggar, his brother, Someone with the same dignity as he had. Not with the same possessions, not with the same table full of food, not with the same splendid garments, but with the same dignity. Lazarus was not clothed like the rich man was in earthly clothing, but he was clothed in exactly the same way in human dignity. Brothers and sisters, that was what the rich man missed, and that is why he was condemned. The love of God and the love of neighbor go hand in hand, as Jesus told us. And St. John tells us in his first letter if someone has enough of this world's goods and sees a brother in need and does not tend to his needs, here's what John then asks How can the love of God survive in him? He doesn't simply ask, How can that, that man who is in need survive? He asks, How can the love of God survive in the one who won't help him? That's the lesson we see unfolding here. The unborn child, the Lazarus of our day. completely dismissed and ignored by the people in our country who are in favor of abortion, by the politicians in our country, and they're concentrated in the Democrat Party who want laws and policies that pretend that the unborn aren't even there. They don't even mention these children. They pretend that this whole issue of abortion is a one-sided, easy-to-solve debate because it's all about the freedom and health care of the mother and that's the whole story. Beginning, middle, end, that's it. We're not going to restrict freedom. As if the freedom of another person is not at stake. Oh, it's very convenient for them. Just drop the other person out of the equation. Very easy for the rich man to just drop Lazarus out of the equation. He doesn't matter. He doesn't exist. Doesn't that make life... Much easier, I can just enjoy my sumptuous meals every day and I don't have to worry about what I have to do in response to the beggar's cries. But we do have to worry about the beggar's cries. That's another person. It's amazing to see how people supporting abortion speak about it. Not even so much as making a reference to the existence of that other person person. Not even acknowledging the truth that we know about that other person. And that's the other profound lesson that comes from this reading. What happens at the end when the rich man, realizing he cannot get out of his eternal torment, says, well, save my my brothers. Go warn them. And Father Abraham says, and Jesus is saying it, it to us through this, through this parable, that they've already been warned. They've already been told. Why do they need new evidence? But the rich man is convinced. If somebody came back to the, from the dead and went to them, then they would be convinced. But the lesson here is, well, why would we, why would we think that? Do we think that the problem... Is that they don't have enough warning or that they don't have enough evidence of what will happen if they neglect the person in need? Do they not have enough evidence? They actually do. They have Moses and the prophets. The prophets were so clear about our obligation to the poor, to the, to the lowly, to the, to the disadvantaged. So clear about the fact that we have to rescue the helpless just like God has rescued us who are helpless. Prophet Isaiah chapter 1 said God is not even going to listen to our prayers if we tolerate bloodshed in our midst. So they have Moses and the prophets. Moses with the law, you shall not kill. And there were so many provisions in the law about how to help the poor. Why wouldn't they already know that the law of God commands them to pay attention to Lazarus? They do know, but their hearts are closed. Their hearts are closed to the warning, to the word, to the message, to the duty, to the dignity of that person in need. Their hearts are closed. It's what the book of Proverbs talks about when it speaks about the fool. The book of Proverbs very, very uh, powerfully draws the distinction between the fool and the wise person. Wise people heed instruction. You give them a warning. You, you show them what the law says, what, what the prophets say. And the, the mark of wisdom is that you take instruction. You, you hear the warning and you change. You hear the warning and you realize you're not living according to, to, to the law. And, and so you adjust your behavior. That's what this phrase means. A word to the wise is sufficient. It means one word is enough. You speak it to the wise and they change. The fool, on the other hand, is characterized by the one who though he be told a hundred times, he doesn't learn. He doesn't change. That's what's coming across here. They have Moses and the prophets. They've had them for, for a long time. They've had them all their lives. Why don't they repent? Because the heart is closed. That reminds me of John chapter 9. The man born blind is healed by a miracle that never been heard of before. And still the Pharisees won't believe in Jesus who healed the man born blind. They had the same evidence as the others who saw this miracle and did believe in Jesus as they had. Everybody had the same evidence. But some hearts were closed and some weren't. And that's why that beautiful story in John 9 ends with Jesus saying to these Pharisees. And it's a really very similar lesson to the conclusion of this parable. Jesus says, if you were blind, there would be no sin in that. But we see, you say, and your sin remains. In other words, people might not have heard Moses and the prophets. There's no guilt in just the fact that they haven't heard, unless, of course, they're intentionally ignoring it, but there's no guilt in and of itself that they they don't know. Tell them, teach them. But those who say, oh, we see, we do know, that's where the sin remains, in that obstinate attitude, that stubbornness to close your heart to the truth that's right in front of you. Now, how does this relate to the whole problem of abortion and the sad anniversary today of a decision that has resulted in 65 million dead children. It relates to it because we have the evidence of their humanity. We have the evidence that these children are real. We have more evidence today than ever, and I've talked to you about the new app called See Baby Grow. Look that, look up that app, uh, get it in the app store, See Baby Grow. We've been very involved with this this app. I I, I believe it's the best tool out there to learn about the unborn child. See baby grow. We've got the evidence. But just like with the man born blind, the evidence can be right before their eyes. If their hearts are closed and they say, oh, we see. Oh, we know. Yeah, we're pro-choice. We know our rights, our body. They think they know. They think they're so smart. They think they're so righteous. You got Biden and the other politicians and the Democrats standing up there and saying, Oh, yes, you know, we're defending Roe, we're defending a woman's right to choose. You got these ballot initiatives in these different states. Oh, yeah, there's a constitutional right to reproductive freedom, there's a constitutional right to abortion, no matter what. No restriction, no way. Oh, we know, we know. No, you don't know. And your sin remains. The evidence is clear as to who this child is and you know what other evidence is clear and we made it clear over these recent days both at the walk for life in san francisco and the march for life in washington we made it clear that what kills the baby harms the mother our silent no more campaign those those women and men spoke up and shared their testimony of how abortion devastates them friends the evidence is clear What we have to pray today when we pray for the legal protection of the unborn is to pray that eyes and hearts will be open to the evidence that's right in front of them. And so Jesus says in this parable through uh, Father Abraham, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if one should rise from the dead. Because if one should rise from the dead, and tell them the consequences of ignoring the other person, they will only be hearing the same thing they've already heard. And if their hearts are still closed, it won't make a difference. We pray for the grace of God to convert hearts so that in turn we may change laws and indeed have the legal protection, not just of your life and mine, but of the weakest children who need that protection even more, the smallest babies in the womb. Shall we pray? Lord, today is a sad day, a day that led to so much destruction, not only of the unborn, the dismemberment of their bodies, but the anguish in the souls of the the moms and the dads and the families. Lord, this evil has torn our nation apart, torn our world apart. We pray today for the legal protection of the unborn. First of all, by praying that the evidence of the unborn, of their existence, their beauty, their humanity, may awaken consciences. That evidence is before all of us and yet some close their hearts, they close their minds, they literally close their eyes, we pray now that your grace will open their eyes. Let them see in the unborn their brother, their sister, loved by God, created in your image, redeemed by the blood of Christ and worthy of our protection. Let them hear the voice of Lazarus begging at the table. And Father, as we pray for the legal protection of the unborn, we pray that we may elect lawmakers willing to protect the unborn. Lord God, put an end to the cowardice and the mental disconnect by which we would pray for legal protection and then not advocate for the election of those who will provide that legal protection. Where is this legal protection going to come from? We, the voters, must decide whom we are going to elect to write our laws. They are our laws. They are writing these laws to express our consent, the consent of the governed. And our consent, Lord, is that these children be protected. Enable your people to connect the dots, that praying for the legal protection of the unborn means to get up and get out and register to vote and vote for people who will do exactly that. Bring us victory in these elections of 2024. Lord God, January 22nd has come once again, and it is a day of sadness, but it is also a day of renewing our conviction and our commitment. We will protect these children give us all the strength and grace needed to do so in Christ Jesus our lord amen before we say the lord's prayer let me also remind you that today i am at the supreme court in washington dc together with janet moran our executive director and other pro life people who are remembering by a memorial service and you can follow this on my social media at fr frank pavone a memorial service honoring the tens of millions of children killed thanks to the Roe v. Wade decision. Uh, We are proud to take this step. Uh, We uh, will always remember January 22nd in this way, and we pray that you do as well. Let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. We pray to our heavenly mother, hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever, amen. Well, friends, thank you. Let this be a day of special prayer for our unborn brothers and sisters. May we never forget, may we bring an end to this evil once and for all. God bless you and we'll speak to you tomorrow.
1: Hello, I'm Dr. Alveda King, board member of Priest for Life. More money is being spent in America to kill babies in the womb than to save them. Together, we need to change that, and today I want to invite you to support our work at Priest for Life. Why ours rather than other groups? Because we have a unique team that helps lead in every arena of the fight against abortion, and we activate the churches where you find people who are most likely to get involved in that fight. To awaken a pastor about abortion is to awaken thousands of people he serves. We do not receive church funding or government grants. We rely on you for individual donations. We have a very high evaluation among charities and top security on our donation site, ProLifeGift.org. You can go there for a one-time gift or to become a monthly donor Or you can call us at 321-500-1000. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.